Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Last week I spoke a word of encouragement. Come on, who knows the Bible is a great source of encouragement? The Bible speaks about that the Word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. And I talked about how God at times wants to encourage us. You know... Word of God is so powerful, it's not just another inspirational book, but it has the power to bring life into our world. Come on, if you believe it, say amen. I heard a story about a widow who stood at the funeral of her husband, and uh, it's funny enough, she actually didn't know his blood type, and she turned to her friend, and she said, he died too soon because no one knew his blood type, but he was so inspirational that even till the end, the last thing he turned to her as he died, he said, be positive. I worked on that one all week. <laughs> thank you. Over there, thank you very much. So I want to give you a word of encouragement this morning. It's not out of some joke book, some funny magazine, but it's out of the Word of God. And last week I spoke about God leading us out of hard-pressed places. Psalm 118, verse 5 to 9 is a great passage of Scripture. The Bible says, When hard-pressed, when I was hard-pressed... I cried to the Lord and he brought me to a spacious place. I love that. When I was hard pressed, I cried out to the Lord and he brought me to a spacious place. There are many examples in the word of God of men and women that were in difficult scenarios, in challenging situations, in moments in their own life where they felt constricted and they felt under pressure and they felt that there was no way out and yet God himself through his power and His grace and His mercy led them out of that hard place. And we talked about that last week and how you're not alone when you go through a hard-pressed place. I love what the Bible says in the book of Job 36 verse 16. One of the friends is talking to Job and it's an answer to a question. And he says, He's wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place free from restriction to the comfort of your table laden with choice food. Come on, church, don't you love that passage this morning? He's wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place free from restriction to the comfort of your table laden with choice food. Because of the faithfulness and the direction of the Holy Spirit, God leads us out of those places that we don't need to live in those places of restriction. Maybe today this has been a year where you felt hard-pressed. Maybe it's been a year where you felt hard-pressed with your finances or maybe relationally things have gone wrong. I want to encourage you this morning as we look at the Word of God. Church, you don't need to stay at that place. God has got greater places for you and I. You don't need to stay in those places of restriction and those places of discouragement and those places where you just feel that everything is closing in around you. This morning, I want to talk to you about God leading you out of that place to new places of opportunity. New places of opportunity. You know, you look at it even in a world perspective. You would just take it from a business perspective. I did a bit of study on this this week about the whole idea of companies that were birthed out of hard places. And I began to list some of the companies over the last hundred years that started through depressions, 
or economic crisis. One of the very famous magazines, Fortune magazine, was started 90 days after the market crash of 1929. FedEx, we all know FedEx, who were the first ones to start delivering parcels around the world. When they first started, people say it was ridiculous. Why would anyone want to have a parcel delivered? And yet they started during the oil crisis in 1973. When fuel was at its absolute highest, they birthed FedEx. UPS, another a global carrier, started in the panic of 1907. The Walt Disney Company, Walt Disney that we all know, after 11 months of smooth operation, on the 12th month, it was the, crash, the market crash of 1929. Hewlett-Packard was started in the Great Depression of 1935. Charles Schwab, one of the big stockbroking firms in the US, was started in the market crash of 1974 to 1975. Standard Oil, which was the oil company that Rockefeller bought, started uh, in the final year of the war, the Civil War in 1865. Costco, who knows Costco? I love Costco. Costco was started in the recession in the late 1970s. Revlon, who knows Revlon? All yeah, the women are nodding their head. Started in the Great Depression of 1932. General Motors started in the panic of 1907. Procter & Gamble, who does a lot of the stuff that we'd use today in the bathroom, started in the panic of 1837. United Airlines was birthed out of the market crash of 1929. Microsoft was started in the recession of 1973 to 1975. And LinkedIn, one of the a big dot-com things, started in 2002, the post-dot-com bubble. There are many companies that were birthed out of hard-pressed places. Companies that survived and thrived through significant crisis moments. They saw opportunity before anyone else did. And what people saw as difficulty, they saw as an opportunity. What people saw as hardship and great challenge, these guys saw something that was completely different. Now, I've given you some very practical business examples. And I believe the world has caught on to this idea for many years now, but really, church, it is a biblical value. It is something that I believe as Christians that we can maximize in our life. The idea of unique opportunity in the difficulties that we actually face in life. Some of the greatest times that the church exploded in the New Testament wasn't when things were going well, but through great martyrdom and great hardship and great difficulty, we saw the early church absolutely explode in grace and power and the blessing of God in their life. And I think many times when you and I go through challenging moments, sometimes we can have a low-level mentality when it comes to these things. Oh, the devil's against me, and God has left me, and things are so hard. Why is this happening to me? Maybe we need to have a different perspective this morning and understand that in the hardship, there can be a unique opportunity for God to do something very powerful, very unique, and very significant in our lives. We see this right throughout the Word of God. Opportunity in obscurity. Think about what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 13, 
Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything that he owned to get enough money to buy that field. There's this theme in the word of God, that spiritual truth, God's purpose, the wonderful things that lie beneath the surface. We have to go after those things. We have to pursue those things. We have to, even in the difficulty and the work and the hardship, find those things because beneath the surface, there is great gold that you and I can actually discover in the kingdom of God. Look what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 to 16. He went through his uh, uh, times of trouble and hardship. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus, here's the opportunity, we carry ourselves in the death of Jesus, here's the opportunity, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you at the same time. Listen, you may be going through a deathful situation right now, a great challenge, something that you feel is actually bringing death to your faith. Let me say this, at the same time, there's another river that's running out of your life. It is the life of Jesus that's coming out at the same time. A life of opportunity, a life of breakthrough, a life of new things, a life of a higher faith that you didn't have before. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. And since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with him, with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Church, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Come on, who knows that no matter how healthy you are, outwardly you're wasting away. I'm telling you, the hair that I had 30 years ago is not the hair that I have today. Doesn't matter how many protein shakes I have. <laughs> Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Don't you want that to be in your own life? That even though you're getting older on the outside, there's a strength that's coming out of you on the inside? That there's a depth that you didn't have before? That there's a grace that you didn't have before? That there's a compassion that you didn't have before? For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I think sometimes we look at secular companies and we look at people and we go, they get this idea of opportunity in hardship. Church, we have a greater glory to go after. 
We have a greater prize to go after. It's not just the physical manifestation of what we want to achieve in life, but it's this internal glory of God's presence and God's power shining through us. You think about Christmas. You think about how Jesus was born, how God brought the Savior into the world, about God sending his son into an environment that was obscure. It was challenging. It was difficult. It was hard. It was pressed. Bethlehem wasn't a famous town. The whole Jewish community lived under the oppression of Roman rule. The Jewish people lived under the impression of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And there Jesus was, born in a stable, not in luxury, but in an inconvenient time. You know, the house that Jesus was born, we talk about the inn, it was a very simple house, four rooms, they say. Not a large house, just enough for your average family in those days. And so when the Mary and Joseph came, the only place that they had was the barn outside. He was born in a hard-pressed place. He grows up as a carpenter. Think about it. The people are looking for a conqueror. They're looking for someone that would go through the judiciary system. But here God brings them a carpenter. And it's so obscure, it's so unusual that the average person in those days completely misses it. And yet he sets a plan of salvation in an obscure environment in Bethlehem. And because he does this, we see an explosion of Christianity throughout the world. But the reality is when Jesus was first born, people missed it, church. They missed it. And it's often the way of the kingdom of God then in difficulty, there is God's plan of salvation, what you and I go through. I think many times we can miss opportunity in difficulty because we are looking in the wrong place. I think many times we can miss opportunity in some of the hardships that we go through because we don't have a wider vision of what God actually wants to do in our lives. I think maybe this Christmas, God wants to challenge your faith to go a bit deeper to search a bit more, to go into that field that maybe you have discarded and understand that beneath the surface, there is a great treasure to be found in the revelation of what Jesus wants to do in your life. I think often when we go through difficult times, we get discouraged. And I think discouragement is one of the the things that actually stops us from actually searching after God. Look what David writes through his discouragement. He's hard-pressed. He's seeing that everyone else is blessed around him. And he looks at himself and goes, why me? I'm a good guy. Why isn't God blessing me the way that he's blessed everyone else? And he makes the point that through his discouragement, he almost misses what God wants to do in his life. Look at this, Psalm 73, verse 21 to 24. He says, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was a senseless and ignorant I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and after you'll take me to glory. David recognized that even through his difficult season, he recognized that God still was always with him. But because he allowed discouragement to seep into his heart, because he allowed that just to come in and begin to rob him of of his faith, He says, all of my intellect and my understanding, my revelation of God went out the window. It was almost like I was a brute beast. I could not see God or what you were actually doing. We come back to the birth of Jesus. Jesus coming to earth. 
And I want to read you John's description of the way that Jesus came into the world. And I want to take two powerful ideas that I believe we can take hold of today, two opportunities that when we go through difficult seasons and difficult challenges, when we are hard-pressed on every side, two things because of the birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus that you and I can receive in the hard places of our lives. John chapter 1 speaks about Jesus as the Word. He speaks about the Word as coming to the earth in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And there's this powerful idea in the Gospel of John that the Word of Jesus shows us the thoughts and the purposes of God to us and that our world depends on His Word. It needs the Word of God for direction and salvation. And the Bible talks about in the book of John, we're going to read this in a minute, that through Him, not just by Him, but through Him, we can receive these things that we're going to talk about today. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 13 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world and through, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Come on, the birthplace of our Christian faith. It's the point of this passage. The knowledge of God that the word Jesus Christ brings is not just merely information, but he brings life. When the Bible speaks about the word of God, we often think about the word bringing information. But here the Bible speaks about Jesus being the word. He just didn't bring information about the Father but he brought life for you and I to actually receive. You see, when you and I are hard-pressed, many times in life it feels like the life has been sucked out of us. But through Jesus, through the living word, through his birth and his death and his resurrection, you don't need to live in a hard-pressed place without life, just surviving above the poverty line. That through Jesus, no matter what you go through in life, there can be incredible life that can be birthed out of your life because of who Jesus Christ actually is. You know, it's interesting that this gospel, the gospel of John, is always associating life with the word, life with Christ. John chapter 10 and verse 10, he came that people might have life and may have it more abundantly. John chapter 3 verse 16, he died so that people may have everlasting life. John chapter 6 verse 51, he gave his flesh for the life of the world. John chapter 5, verse 40, only those who come to him have life. John chapter 10, verse 21, when he gives life, people perish no more. 
John chapter 10, verse 18. He said that he had the power to lay down his life and yet to take it up again. John chapter 11, the whole book of chapter 11 speaks about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead to life. John chapter 11, verse 25, and John chapter 14, verse 6, twice he said that he is the life. John chapter 5, and verse 26, the basic source of all life is the Father who has life in himself, and yet the Father granted the Son to have life with himself as well. So what's the point? How does that relate to me? Let me say this. In our lives, no matter how difficult we may be going through, no matter how many hard-pressed challenges we may be facing right now, it is not an opportunity for death to consume us, but it is an opportunity for the life of Jesus to actually shine forth. It's what the apostles hung on to. It's what the early church grabbed hold of, where there was so much death and so much destruction around them. There was a life force that was within them. You know, in the book of Acts, it often speaks about, you know, it says, you know, that, uh, you know, when it comes to that they'll be martyrs, that they'll be martyred for their faith, that they'll be witnesses. That word witnesses means the word martyr. And, you know, we often talk about this from a theological perspective, but in the early church, you know, when they would gather the Christians around in the Colosseum and they would throw them in the middle and they'd have the roaring lions ready to come out and rip them apart as the Colosseum was full of unbelievers looking at what was going to happen to the Christians. They often have accounts and eyewitnesses of people seeing the Christians being led to their death. And where there'd be other people that would have the same thing, they'd be freaking out and they'd be screaming, they'd be terrified. But the Christians would walk to their death with great peace, with great conviction. They would even say that there were, there were eyewitness reports of people actually saying that the Christians were actually praying for their captors. They tied them to the stake. They would pray for them, pray that God would actually help them and they would get a revelation of Jesus as they had themselves. You see, in the moments of death, the life of Jesus actually came through. And this is the point, that in the Colosseum that was meant to actually crush Christianity was so powerful, that small event as people saw the Christians with this great calm confidence in facing death, they say that thousands of people gave their lives to Jesus. That was the martyrdom, that was the witness that the Bible speaks about in the book of Acts because people saw that in death, Christians had incredible life. One of the greatest things that we can hang on to this Christmas church, you know what, I can't promise that if you give your life to Jesus that everything is gonna go well. I said this last week, there are many times in my life that just giving my life to Jesus and surrendering my will to God's will at times has actually put a target on my back. Come on, who knows that at times your life would have been a lot easier, a lot less complicated, right? But it's not about what's happening on the outside. It's about what the life of Jesus gives us on the inside, right? This is what the Bible speaks about. The Bible speaks about Jesus coming and giving us life, life in your marriage, life in your relationship, life in your bones. The Strong's Concordance puts it this way. The life that the Bible speaks about is the state of one who possesses vitality. The life of absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical, which belongs to God. A life active and vigorous, devoted to God. I think one of the greatest testimonies of the world is that you and I can go through a difficult season in our life, 
but the life source has not been sucked out of us. If anything, we have more tenacity, we have more faith, we have more compassion, we have more hunger for the things of God. You think about the world out there. You know, I was walking through Fountain Gate Shopping Centre yesterday. It was packed. I, I consider it just to be a win to get a car park. You know, got a great car park. Hallelujah. And I'm walking through and people are just busy everywhere. I would not say that people looked happy shopping for Christmas. I didn't find one smiley face. I didn't find one person walking and going, oh man, I'm full of life. This is absolutely fantastic. People like this. Excuse me, excuse me. Rude. Frustrated. But where's the Christmas spirit? Our ability, our desire to have life. We work so hard to have a life. But those things actually don't produce a life. Your encounter with the Lord Jesus is the one that actually brings great life into your soul. Great life into your soul. And you know what? Maybe today, maybe this has been a year where you've been hard-pressed. Maybe it's been a year where you've had incredible challenges. Don't allow the enemy to suck the life out of you. God wants to give you great life this morning. The second thing the Bible speaks about in the book of John is the whole idea in verse 4, in him was life and that life was the light of men. That life was the light of men. What is the meaning of that? What does it mean to say that the life was the light of men? You know, it's known throughout the Bible that God was not only the source of light, but he was also, so not only the source of life, but he was the source of light as well. Psalm 36 verse 9, for with you is the fountain of light. In your light, we see light. In your light, we see light. It's this idea that John has in mind when it comes to the gospel. That when he's writing about Jesus being the word, his meaning is that Jesus is the word himself that brings life, but also he brings light to us. He's a life bringer and he's a light bearer at the same time. We see this right throughout the book of John. We see again that John begins to speak about Jesus again and again and links Jesus Christ with light. John chapter 8 verse 12 and John chapter 9 verse 5, Christ is the light of the world. John chapter 12 verse 46, he has come into the world as a light. John chapter 8 verse 12, anyone who follows him will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John chapter 12 verse 36 People can be urged to believe in light just as they urged to believe in him. It speaks about people receiving him as a light. John, uh, John chapter uh, 9 speaks about Lazarus dying just as he who gave life to dead Lazarus. So he is the light of the world who gave sight to men being born blind. Genesis 1 verse 3, the first recorded words of God said, let there be light. God not only gives us life, but he gives us light at the same time. I love what it says in John chapter 5. It's on chapter 1 verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not understand it. It's an unusual phrase when it comes to darkness, that the darkness did not understand it. The Greek verb here is very hard to translate, but there's this idea here that when it explains about the darkness not understanding it, 
kind of gives us the idea that there is something to lay hold of in order to make it its own. And darkness tried to control light, tried to make the light that its own, but it was impossible. The light became triumphant. You know, we don't often talk about darkness trying to understand light. Often when we talk of darkness, we talk about the dark actions of people or the dark intentions of bad people. This is not what the Bible's speaking about. The darkness that John is speaking about is it about an environment of darkness, the evil environment that people find themselves in. And Jesus brought light to that darkness. And he came into the world, John 12, verse 46, as a light to that whoever believes in him will not stay in darkness. The Bible speaks about us being like a city on a hill, not to hide our light. Listen, you you do not need to be in a place where you feel that you are surrounded by darkness and that is consuming you and that is putting pressure on you and that is making you feel hard-pressed. Because of the light of Jesus in your life, you are greater because of him as, and because of him you can break through that darkness. I think many times in life when we are surrounded by evil, challenging environments, we kind of feel like we are hard-pressed. We feel like, kind of feel like we are being consumed and closed in. And we forget the power of the Lord Jesus living inside of us. That not only does he bring light, but he actually has the power to shine light through that darkness as well. You know, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You know, I wanted to encourage you this morning with just some of the basics of the gospel because I think that we can forget about the birthplace of our faith. I think we can forget about the power of what we have within us, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know, and sometimes, you know, when I meet Christians, they're whinging about this and whinging about that, and I just think, you do not understand the power of the gospel that actually resides within you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He has the power to bring life, and he has the power to bring light into whatever you face on a daily basis. You know, I read this quote the other day that I want to finish with that I thought was really cool. It says, the trick to forgetting the big picture is to look at everything close up. The trick to forgetting the big picture is to look at everything close up. Can I encourage you today, this Christmas, to actually take a step back and actually look at the big picture. Don't look at the minutia of what you're dealing with. Don't look at the frustration of some of the things that you're having to work with right now. Take a step back and look at the big picture. You and I are children of God. We have a heavenly Father who gives us light and who gives us life. And even through some of your most difficult seasons, I mean, I've met people in hospital even just over the last few months, had cancer operations and just challenging difficulties, and yet it has not distinguished the light that was in them. Because that light and that life did not come from motivational talks and just inspirational literature. It actually came from the Word of God that is sharper and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. Today, this Christmas, look back. Take a step back. Look at the big picture. You and I are living in a blessed state. Not because of the stuff that's going on around us, but because what Jesus Christ has actually done for us. Come on, who believes that this morning? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, 
check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.